there, all you true crime fans. We have a new podcast to recommend for you. It's True Crime in the 50, a podcast that takes a look at serial killers, murders, and disappearances and frauds that rocked each and every state across the country. Every two weeks, host Katie Accardo brings you the craziest crime from each state, starting with Alabama. She covers it all from more well-known criminals like Illinois' Drew Peterson and Arizona's Jody Arias to lesser-known crimes like Hawaii's Missing Women, Diane Suzuki, and Lisa Au, and the Quadruple Mansion murders in Maryland. Or tune in to hear about the true crime epidemic of Montana's Indigenous women. If you like fraud cases, she's got those too. Listen to Iowa's huge hot lotto scammer Eddie Tipton or Florida's famous Miss Cleo and the Psychic Readers Network. True Crime in the 50 has something for everyone. So take a road trip across this country and check out the True Crime in 50 podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey queens, are you ready to level up? Then join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy where you can find weekly bonus content and FDS commentary on all the latest pop culture relationship and dating news. If you just want to listen to the extra bonus content, we have the lurker mode tier on our Patreon. If you want merchandise, access to the private FDS Patreon discord, which also includes a monthly book club with FDS and feminist themed books, as well as FDS merchandise, t-shirts, mugs, and the opportunity to discuss topics with the FDS podcast queens live as well as submit stories for our Rose Disco Queen and Gnosis discussions on the podcast itself. So if you'd like access to all this and more, visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilith. Welcome back to part two of 37 Lies You Were Taught About Men. Last week we talked about the first 12 of these, and now we're going to be doing the next 12. So number 13. Attractive men are all cads and womanizers, so it's better to focus on nerdy shy guys. This just feeds into further negative stereotypes about attractive men. And again, these sorts of narratives only serve really insecure men. They're trying to pretend, just like how women do this, they just assume the pretty girl's a bitch, you know? Yeah, exactly. And they've got no substance and they're just shallow and they're not really worth dealing with. And it's absolutely not true. This is men being catty. (laughs) Yeah, and they say that women are catty in this way as well. But I find that men make up so many stereotypes about attractive men in a way that I guess like women don't really do as much anymore. I don't feel any hostility towards attractive women. Um, But yeah, a lot of unattractive guys, I feel, have this hostility towards more attractive men yeah it also just sets up this false binary and i see this all the time where men seem especially unattractive men they seem to think that like oh if i was a chat or if only i was attractive uh then you know i would get all the girls and i could be an asshole and it's like they're they're not even just fantasizing about getting lots of women they they want to get a lot of women without having to treat them with respect it's important to understand like a lot of these nerdy shy guys that's their attitude and they're not necessarily going to treat you better uh, just because you give them attention and not the attractive guy. A lot of them still have those sorts of negative or jealous views. And not all attractive men are, are jerks either. It goes back to what Lundy Bancroft said, where um, where men aren't learning their misogyny from interactions with women necessarily. They're learning it from the culture. So And from other men. And from other men. So ugly men and attractive men 
they can all be influenced by the culture equally. It's just, you know, did they come from the type of family or environment that was countercultural and taught them good values about how to interact with women? And that can happen. That can happen to anybody. That's, that's not distributed by attractiveness the way that guys, uh, for some reason, assume it does. The other reason I think men perpetuate this myth is because they want to feel like women who get quote unquote pumped and dumped or abused or treated badly deserve it because they're dating the hot guys, quote unquote, rather than them or the guys that are um, less attractive. And it's like, they want to punish women for having sex with men we find attractive, <laughs> which yeah. is like, which is misogynist, right? It's one thing to say. It's a male revenge fantasy. Unfortunately, it's not just like immense hotness that uh, attracts a woman to an abusive situation the way that a lot of these nerds seem to think like, oh, he she just likes him because he's hot and a jerk where it could just be that woman's particular like low self-esteem. And then obviously cultural messages that we get that contribute to women um, being susceptible to being manipulated by men. But they just want to create that narrative because it benefits them to believe that. I used to think like, oh, um, if I date an unattractive man, that he's going to appreciate me that much more uh, because he's getting attention from me. And I find this to be not true at all. Uh, I find, for example, the nerdy shy guys, they were the most negative about the fact that I'm into weightlifting, for example. They they would be just really negative about, you know, lifting heavy. Oh, you're, if you keep doing that, you're going to look like a man. Oh, I just don't think this is attractive, whatever. You know what demographic of men are the most supportive of me weightlifting and going to the gym? Attractive fit men right? Like those are the guys who don't have a problem with it. They're the ones who are like, yeah, girl, like you lift heavy, you deadlift, you squat. Like they, they look at that and they think they go like, nice. Like they have that kind of nod of respect. The ones who have the biggest problem with it are the nerdy shy guys. So yeah, like a lot of nerdy shy guys will be extra mean and be extra shitty to you just to improve their own sense of masculinity or to compensate for their lack of masculinity. 14 women are naturally monogamous. Only men need variety false. <laughs> this is another one of those like pseudoscientific Evo psych myths that keeps uh, perpetuating itself where it's like, well, I mean, the, the entire field of Evo psych is so heavily uh, susceptible to being manipulative to whoever's narrative or whoever's agenda it wants to serve. But for a long time, this was so-called like common knowledge that women, uh, they need to secure a mate and lock down a guy because... Um, to get his resources. To get his resources and because like having a child is uh, is a heavy burden that falls on the woman. So then women are, uh, it's, men aren't really monogamous. It's women that are forcing them to be monogamous. Um, and then like women are the only ones that are monogamous. And that's just the more that uh, a lot of uh, people have studied humanity. That's not completely true. There's a lot of evidence, for example, that m monogamy was pushed by men because of the fact that uh, things like polygamy or... Um, or even like uh, polyamory tended to benefit the men at the top of the quote unquote hierarchy. So they figured out that monogamy was a better way to create a more stable society because the men at the bottom who were, didn't have access to women are prone to commit violence, for, so to speak. So monogamy has become the preferred uh, preferred way to organize ourselves over time because of the fact that like a lot of single men, a single sexless men are a problem for society. Yeah, I want to point out the sort of reversal here. Like, monogamy is something that men pushed onto women. They didn't hold themselves to that standard, by the way. Like, high-status men expected women to be monogamous and only have sex with them while they went around and fucking around. And I think it's very interesting that they're making it seem like, oh, women just, women want this arrangement. Like, I and I hear this in the Red Pill all the time when uh, guys say, like, shitty guys often say, like, oh, 
women would much rather share a high value man uh, and, you know, men, you know, they want to be promiscuous and so on. It's like, no, 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 no. We don't want to share a man. We want a man who is high value and we want him all to ourselves. And it's not true that we don't ever want to have sex with someone else just to do it. Like it seems once again, male cope to think, oh, my wife never fantasizes about anybody else but me, you know? Yeah, we definitely do. We definitely fantasize about other men. I just want... (laughs) Just want guys to know that. Uh, but men don't need variety, okay? They think they're entitled to variety, but they don't need it. Yeah, it's not a need. It's a, a want at best, but it's definitely not a need. It's an entitled want as well. Like, there are plenty of men who are happy just, you know, with admiring the, you know, the one woman that they've got. They don't, they don't, they don't feel the need to rubberneck other women. So yeah. don't, don't accept that behavior and think it's normal because it's not. It's not yeah. normal behavior. Also, yeah, a lot of women also like variety. Yeah, I don't like this framing that women don't like variety because women like variety too, okay? But we just choose to... Women who choose to be monogamous, it's a choice, right? It's something that we choose to do. And if we can choose that, men can too. Exactly, especially when it's so much easier for women to get um, into, you know, into multiple men than it is the other way around. You see this mm-hmm. all the time with the poly subs where... Uh, you know, they want to go poly and the woman's getting all the dates and the man's getting nothing. So <laughs> if any, if, if anyone who should have more variety, it's actually women because, you know, generally speaking, we do have more options than, you know, the men do. Exactly. And it's really difficult to get your needs met by one man as well. So having a male harem who could do individual tasks would be really nice. Yeah, especially with so many men, you know, they they might have a strength in one area, but maybe weak in others. So, you know, sometimes you got to string a few quarters together to get a dollar, you know, just saying. So if you want all your needs met, you might have to have several men in your life to meet each of those needs. Uh, Number 15, no man is perfect. You have to work hard to help him reach his potential. I find it very funny, actually, how men expect women to, oh, find a guy who's shitty and then build with him. Men never do that right? Like how many guys, <laughs> right. you know, how many guys like go to the gym, find an overweight woman and go, Oh, you know, I'm going to find a girl who's at the beginning of her weight loss journey and then build with her. And like, you know, we're going to, I'm going to help her reach her goals. No, men, like, men not have this lie where they're like, Oh, women wait at the finish line and choose the most successful man or whatever. As if men don't also do that. Like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to build him up. You're going to raise his career, he's going to get successful, and then he's going to dump you because you were his starter wife, and he's going to go on to someone else. There's nothing wrong with waiting the finish line, ladies, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I feel like in this respect, unless you have some kind of joint ownership, and meaning like you are married and you have a joint investment, like don't, don't make yourself into like free labor for him. He hasn't actually committed to you in a real way. And it's one thing to be like, okay, we're going to start a business together. But it's another thing where it's like you're working on this character flies, where I feel like this more often applies to people feeling like we have to work with him on his character flies rather than a shared goal. A shared goal is one thing, having to uh, teach men basic manners, how to take care of themselves, how to do work around the house. A lot of the things that women identify as like a, a lopsided emotional labor it's really unfair to yourself to just sign yourself up for a relationship where the man does that. Because if you're with him, a man's going to assume that you accept him the way that he is. And he's going to get resentful if uh, he feels like you're trying to change him in the relationship. And that's where they, you know, they end up calling him a nag. (laughs) It is a complete myth that a man will change for the right woman or so on. 
Um, Lenny Bancroft writes in his book, Why Does He Do That?, that uh, leaving abusive men can actually be a force for change. Uh, because if you're with a man, and we're talking about character flaws, for example, yeah, if you continue to be in a relationship with him, he's not going to think that he needs to change. And a lot of these times, like, these women are working on on the man's, you know, character flaws and, like, building him up on his own. Like, a woman will say, for example, you know, my partner doesn't wash himself. How can I help him wash? And then the advice is always directed <sighs> towards the woman to basically teach him how to wash. But the guy himself, he's not interested in changing that. So that's another thing as well is that you can't you can't do it for them and I feel like this particular lie is basically getting women to actually do the labor for them even when the guy himself is not interested in improving himself. Yeah. And also like the most important aspect is as well is that once he does or if he does eventually level up he will leave you behind because like men also look down on women mm-hmm. who put up with their bullshit. They don't respect them. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> And they actively look down on them as well. So if you're with a guy when he's broke and, you know, down on his luck, you might be thinking, you know, we're in this together, babe. Like, you know, we're taking on the world. But he doesn't see it that way. He sees you as a loser and a sucker for sticking around with him. Yeah, that's so true. And then the minute he makes it, he will, you know, monkey branch to another woman who doesn't remind him of the fact that he used to be a broke bum. Exactly. Sometimes it's not even just you. It's just like the phase in his life that you represent. Yeah, you know, exactly. like you. I mean, I've had that too, where you like you've had a friendship group, and then you realize I'm growing out of this friendship group, and um, being around those people remind you of maybe like a negative part in your life. Like you might just want to separate yourself for that reason, and that's that just really sucks if that's your spouse and you have children, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But also just understand that despite all the cultural messaging of men saying, oh, a good woman will, you know, take on a project and help him improve and reach his full potential and stuff like that. Despite all that cultural messaging, the reality is once you're actually in a relationship with a guy like that, while he might appreciate all of your labor and all of the attention that you give him, uh, he doesn't respect you for it. He sees you as a sucker. He thinks you have bad judgment. Um, So yeah, why reward men like that? And it might, it might actually dead your sexual attraction to him too, because I know a lot of women get tired of being in that mommy McBang made role. Right. And it's like a lot of women, they're just not sexually attracted to men who are childlike, childlike and not living up to their potential on their own. Right. It's just like, if you have to constantly like babysit him and like mommy him to do the things he's supposed to do, it makes you less likely to look at him as a sexual partner. Yeah. Number 16 Don't take it personally if a man doesn't want to add you to his social media. Some guys just like privacy. No, if he's doing this, he's either married or has a girlfriend and doesn't want you to know that he's a cheater. Yeah, if he has any social media, if he has no social media, there's some people that don't do social media and I've become one of those people. That's one thing. Um, But anybody that has a social media and hides you is immediately suspect. Yeah. Or if he's hiding accounts from you as well. Like, I know some, some users have said things like, Oh, he said he hasn't got Instagram, but his dog has an Instagram. And when I, you know, <laughs> looked at who the dog was following, they were following Instagram models. So they can also hide it that way. They can just like hide it under like, um, <laughs> an innocent account, like a dog account as well. Um, if you do have social media, you should be fully, he should be fully transparent about that and not just, you know, trying to to get around it by <laughs> by putting his account's name under his dog, for example. So, so watch out for that. 
or they have what's the word of finsta where people have like a secret instagram that's like a oh, just an alt that they used to follow instagram model like a lot of guys will do yeah. this where they'll have their main account and be like babe look, um. i don't yeah they'll be like babe look i don't follow any instagram models blah 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 and then i'll switch over to his alt where he follows all the porn accounts yeah there's a lot of guys like that. Oh my gosh. But this is why, like, when you ask the question or when you, like, begin to, to vet a guy, you sort of have to be quite or seemingly laid back when you're asking them questions. So, like, don't make it known that you find it problematic if somebody follows Instagram models because they will just lie to you. You just have yeah. to sort of, you just have to sort of ask them with a straight face about their social media accounts. And then if you see something unsavory, then just move on yeah just like bounce and block and delete i actually find that it's sometimes a fun strategy uh to like pretend like i'm okay with that stuff and most of the coomers will just straight up admit like if you act like you're fine with porn all the porn guys will be like oh thank god and like immediately spill all their secrets (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the thing like you know when women ask on the subreddit you know how can i find out if a guy watches porn it's very easy just ask him and pretend that you don't have a problem with it and they will all tell you yeah just ask men oh tell me about your kinks like you know i'll even sometimes pull the line or tell me what porn do you watch they will happily they will happily tell you yeah and if the guy the the best answers i've ever gotten from guys are when they kind of like look at me a little funny and go like I don't watch that stuff or like, I'm not into that or like, you, you know, so that if they think you're weird for asking it and then you go like, ah, I'm just kidding. Like, you know, kind of thing and then walk it back. But yeah, that's how that, that would be like the correct answer. Um, within reason about the social media thing, because there have been a few people that felt like, Oh, before they're really in an official relationship, they want to be on a sky social media. Like, obviously we're talking about if you guys have committed to each other, and he doesn't want you on his social media, that's a red flag. But yeah, we're talking about an actual relationship. And if he doesn't want to post pictures of him with you, it means he's talking to other women online and he doesn't want them to think he's taken. Yep. Number 17, a lot of good men are intimidated by a successful woman. So you should always make sure to downplay your accomplishments. I mean, I don't downplay my accomplishments, but I'm not excessively boastful either. In fact, sometimes I like to allow a man to underestimate me because if he thinks that I'm like lower status or something like that, and he ends up being a dickhead, that says a lot about his character. Whereas those same men, if they think, uh, oh, she's the sort of woman who wouldn't put up with that, then they'll maybe hold their tongue for a bit until later when the mask slips. So, I mean, be a successful woman. Like, don't like be an underachiever just to not intimidate men. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to connect with a, per- a person based on their shared values. And if you value your accomplishments, then hopefully you find a person who values that as well. Yeah. Or at least values the work it took for you to do those things or values the fact that these things are important to you. It doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, let, let's say for example, you decide to change careers and like you were a big time person in your first career and you do a second career. There are some guys that are gold diggers and like, so they like the women that are actually accomplished in a field. And let's say, okay, one day I want to, um, become a butterfly catcher. I don't know. Uh, Olympic, Olympic hamster trainer. Can you imagine if that's an Olympic sport? <laughs> hamster dressage uh, yeah. <laughs> like you know dressage with horses imagine doing that with hamsters. <laughs> <The> hamster dressage. <laughs> okay 
Uh, say you want to do something like that you still want a partner that like likes you as a person enough and the things that you value an accomplishment can can show your level of dedication and focus on a particular subject so never downplay those things if it if you're the type of person that really values that yeah also i want to say the sort of men who are intimidated by successful women that's like a red fucking flag because those men are usually like low value or jealous or you know in other ways need to feel like the woman is beneath him in order for him to feel good about himself but at the same time just because a man likes successful women that's also not automatically a green fly because yeah like rose said some men can be gold diggers some men like the idea of taking a successful woman and like taking her down so that he feels like he's caught a bigger fish so i don't know just be normal like just be yourself (laughs) This feels like that old school advice that was prominent um, as a reaction to feminism and the idea that women that were career focused were like ball busting, non-traditional, horrible wives and mothers. So then a lot of women felt like they had to downplay these things in order to still upplay their domestic skills. But I feel like we're hurtling towards an era where women can be integrated people, right? To be, you know, your accomplishments doesn't you know, it's not, it doesn't define you necessarily, but it can show people the things that you value. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 18, focusing on your education over your relationship is stupid because your degrees won't keep you warm at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guess what? My degree also won't walk up and cheat on me or leave me one day either. And actually, it's such a lie that it doesn't, because if your degree gets you a job that helps you pay the bills, then yeah, it does keep you warm at night. So Yeah, my, yeah. literally me paying my electricity bill is keeping me warm at night, so... You know, it's this particular lie that is sort of like the race to the bottom for women in terms of that, you know, to attract a man, we just have to, you know, to make ourselves um, just a lot smaller when, you know, like we've just previously said, if it's a good man, he will want to see you grow, he'll want to see you develop. Um, this whole entire lie that the man is for like to push out that, you know, men don't care about your degrees, it's... It's complete horse. I mean, firstly, even though like low value men might not care about your um, like education, um, a lot of people in sectors actually do, and you know places that will actually materially benefit women, they do care a lot about education. Um, and so these people that are telling you that oh your education or like your career won't keep you warm at night, they just have a vested interest in in trying to make women as dependent as possible on them and their approval. Yeah, that's only said by men who couldn't do what you did, right? Because at the end of the day, we talk about, we've talked about how, for the most part, people tend to marry within their educational and social class. Exactly, exactly. So the guys who are throwing rocks outside of your castle, they're peasants, right? (laughs) And, and, and also, and also, as we've also discussed as well, like, you know, men aren't going to college and graduating as much anymore. Like women are outpacing them in that department as well. So there's also that panic that, oh my gosh, like women are actually leveling back up. Like how can I sort of, you know, bring them down a peg as well? Um, you, you know, there's also gender demographics when it comes to getting good education as well. So bear that in mind. Yeah. I also want to, zero in on the fact that this myth it's not necessarily even just a manosphere myth this is something that exists in a lot of like patriarchal or you know traditional cultures where uh educating women is not seen as valuable because oh you know she's just gonna like you know be a housewife or have kids and so on and so there's no point in educating women if they're not going to use that for their career it's like 
female education is literally just not valued um, in a lot of parts of the world. And it's very silly because educated women create educated children. You know, this idea that um, education and having children are mutually exclusive is very silly. You don't have to choose between the two. You can have both. In fact, it's better to have both. Yeah, and female education in some societies has become a marker of, like, aristocracy, right? Yeah. So, again, it just seems like men who couldn't either cut it or hack it are just trying to take pot shots at women who they perceive to probably be above them on the economic and social ladder. Mm -hmm. And just saying that, like, well, those things don't matter because you won't be able to get a man like me, which, of course, we don't care about them because we don't want a man that would say that in the first place. We don't want a man like them, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Next. So 19, most guys know their girlfriend has a sexual past, so it's okay to discuss it with him in a relationship. This is controversial. No. Yeah. (laughs) This is one of our more controversial pieces of advice. It's none of his business. (laughs) It's none of his business. And then the problem becomes, and this is, I don't know that there's a single man that would be able to, whose ego would be able to withstand the idea that you might've done something sexually with someone else that you didn't do with him. Mm -hmm. This advice was inspired by the fact that there are so many uh, stories, especially on Reddit, but in general where women will talk about having explored their sexuality in some way in the past and then figuring out it wasn't for them. And then they talk about it with their new man and their man feels like emasculated or feels like, um, that this person's not willing to open up in the same way if they're not willing to give themselves sexually in the same way. And there's a pretty infamous Reddit story to that effect where um, it's it, so trigger warning. Cause it's actually really kind of um, sad, like bored, sad, but borderline rape, to be honest, um, where a woman was talking about the fact that she had had anal sex, you know, in college with a boyfriend really didn't like it, but did at a time when she was had a lower self-esteem in her life. And then a friend of me blurts out at a a party with her new boyfriend about this, about her like having anal sex all the time. And then her new boyfriend would not let it go because she never let him do it. And so then she starts to feel like she's upset because she doesn't like it. And she says like, you know, I was kind of traumatized by this. I don't want to do it. And then um, she finally agrees to it. He's like unnecessarily rough, almost like contemptuous of her. And then they break up anyways. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's just, if her friend had never blurted that thing out, it never would have become an issue. Like granted, he probably had a, a wave of red flags besides that, but you would never want to put yourself in a position where you are going to feel pressured by a partner to have sex that not willing to have anymore. And it's one of those things where in a perfect world, more men would be able to accept the fact that you've experimented in the past and it's just not for you. But it seems to me that the majority of men are not able to handle that information and it might be dangerous for you to disclose it. Yeah. Even when I was in like yeah. the kink community, uh, people's sexual preferences can change. Um, just because you did something, you know, with a previous partner doesn't mean that you want to do it again. And, you know, vice versa, just because you didn't do something with a previous partner, that doesn't mean that you wouldn't be open to it. But a lot of men, they lack that sort of nuance. So if you tell them, oh, I was into this, this, this and that, or, you know, these are my kinks, then they expect you to do that. Um that being said, however, you know, you know, I've also often said this is where, for me, another double standard comes in, in the sense that 
uh, me personally, I will always ask about a man's sexual history because I found that it's really telling of how he views women. Um, his attitude towards sex can be really revealing into the way, you know, firstly, the way he treats women. So if he just sees them as, you know, disposable sex toys, um, and also to see if our attitudes towards sex actually align. Um, because personally, I'm not interested in marrying a community dick. But funnily enough, like when I've asked um, about a guy's sexual history, they've never thought to ask me about mine in return. Again, they just happily just tell you, if you just act quite, if you act quite laid back and open and just be like, so tell me, you know, about, you know, when you did this, they will just happily tell you. So yeah, men love bragging about their sexual conquests. So <laughs> they love, honestly, they, they love bragging about their sexual conquests and they've never asked me the, um, the same questions in return. So Yeah. Also, having a double standard in this area is completely morally justified in my view. And by double standard, I mean, I want to know about his sexual past, but I don't want to have to disclose mine. And the reason for that is because we live in a society that holds women to a double standard. And so if we want to protect ourselves against this sorts of this sort of thing, we need to have our like a counter double standard, so to speak, right? I don't think it's fair to expect women to disclose everything when, you know, women are devalued because uh, if, you know, if we've had sex in a way that men aren't, for example. And I know that a lot of, you know, it's been suggested on the subreddit. I've seen some comments saying stuff like, oh, you know, uh, you should disclose your sexual past because the kind of guy who would have a problem with that is not the sort of man you want to date anyway. So it's a good vetting strategy, like blurt everything out on the first date. And if he has a problem with it, then next him kind of thing. And I just think that's a bad strategy for a variety of reasons. One, because um, some abusive or shitty men won't react in the moment. Like they'll take that information in, they'll mull it over a bit, and then you won't they, you won't get an immediate reaction out of them. They'll react much mm -hmm. later in a way that you're maybe not expecting or in a way that's more harmful. So that's, that's it. That's one reason you don't want shitty or abusive men to get that information. Yeah. The other thing is the sort of men who want to know that information, who like really drill you for that, that's a red flag. So I probably wouldn't want like the sort of men who feel like they need to know that information because they think, Oh, it's going to determine if I see you as a marriage material, probably wouldn't want to have a re relationship with that sort of men anyways. Find out a different way that he's like that. Cause it, it's just, it's too personalized if a guy's rejecting you. Cause you're going to feel bad too, right? I'd rather like find out he has red flags in other ways than to share some like personal information and then have to experience the pain of that rejection, right? Cause you shared something vulnerable. What I'm saying is in my personal experience, like actual decent men, high value men don't drill those kinds, like they don't ask you those kinds of personal questions yeah they've never asked me th those questions i mean i've asked them but they've never asked me yeah like they won't demand to know that a high value man won't demand to know that information but if you volunteer that information he might be a little hurt from it yeah it is what it is yeah retroactive yeah. jealousy is a massive thing um and i think like more people need to be aware of that yeah yeah Number 20, having sex without a condom is more intimate and means he trusts you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where do we even Where start? Where do we start? <laughs> so many men will bareback absolutely anyone. Like, if you go over to... Anyone. If you ask a sex worker, right, how many requests they get, like, for bareback, they will tell you they get so, so many. A man going bareback is... And also, I think it's... A, it, 
it's also if that is his like first line of defense oh you know condoms don't uh, for example feel good let's go bareback that is a big big red flag that he doesn't give a fuck about your safety because ultimately it isn't even just about stis and stds like which if somebody is willing to go bareback with you then they're willing to go bareback with other people especially if you've only recently started dating them and they don't think to be safe and use condoms that's red flag but also it's also the fact that that these guys often have a very very blasé approach to the fact that if you're having sex with a woman of childbearing age without a condom there's a high chance that you can get her pregnant and then they always do the shocked pikachu face when when nature works as it's <laughs> Um, when, for example, nature works the way it was intended to and the woman gets pregnant and they're now on the hook for child support. So either way, these men are garbage. If condoms don't feel good for him, it's his responsibility, you know, to find a brand or a set that does work for him. Um, it's a complete lie that all condoms will batch men. And if it does, like, if all of them feel shit for him, to be honest, that's not really worth compromising your safety or the risk of pregnancy over anyway. Yeah, everyone who, every guy who claims that they can't wear condoms because they can't orgasm, they're a liar. And like anything that, anything along those lines, they're a liar or they're porn sick. And anything along those lines suggests that they haven't, you know, actually gone in the store and tried on different condoms, et cetera. So just flat out ignore any man that tries to claim that he can't wear a condom for X reason. Um, even if it's like latex allergies, maybe the only one, but even so, there are other types of condoms with different. That don't have latex. Yeah. Yeah, don't have latex. So, yeah, and especially uh, there's a lot of guys out here that have no problem having multiple baby mamas. Yeah. And from talking to uh, a lot of older women, there's there's always been a perception in society that pregnancy is a woman's problem. So a lot of men still operate as if like if you get pregnant, that's your problem. And also they'll point to the fact that there's abortion out there. So they'll just look at it like it's your problem. They don't want to have to involve themselves in the aspect of birth control in any way and they've never been pressured or put on society's never put anything on them to be responsible for their own birth control it's always been something that's been the issue for of women to solve yeah because men don't face the consequences of pregnancy right they have no incentive to give a shit about that if they don't feel the pain of pregnancy and childbirth and so that's why women need to because we are the ones who face the consequences that's why we are the ones who have to be cognizant of it but also in this line, like having sex without a condom is more intimate and means that he trusts you. Trust he, that he trusts you. Like, wh why is that even relevant? It's you. who, <laughs> It's him who should be proving that you should trust him. Right. And a man who wants to have sex without a condom is not trustworthy. A man who gives you a problem about wearing a condom is untrustworthy. Right. So rather than be like, thinking a lot of women have this thinking like oh i have to prove myself or i have to prove i'm sexually compatible or i have to prove that i'm trustworthy i have to prove i'm a wifey material or whatever right like switch that mindset around like you are the interviewer here he's the one who's trying to be impressing you not the other way around yeah uh, number 21 telling a guy about your sexual trauma will bring you closer together no so this is a very yeah this is a very controversial rule as well because like once again you have to understand how abusers operate and there's a lot of people that think that revealing these vulnerable things will attract other people to be similarly disclosing and similarly vulnerable and you are so much more likely to attract someone who is abusive and 
even grosser, someone who's attracted to the fact that you've been sexually groomed, right? Or sexually abused. Like there's there's those guys too. And there's been women on the subreddit have talked about men like that that fetishize their abuse. Yeah. And it's horribly disgusting. And it's not worth traumatizing yourself again by revealing that to the wrong person. So if you were to ever disclose this, it shouldn't be as like some kind of need to bring yourself closer to a person, but more or less like a, almost like a matter of fact discussion of who you are, but not like out of some kind of uh, emotional trauma bonding. Because that it's it's just a really really uh it's a it's a way to kind of send a bat signal to abusive men as well as men who would fetishize abuse uh, to abuse you further. Yeah, we talked about this in the Lundy Bancroft episode as well. He said, um, you know, he was surprised that people would criticize us for having this rule. Or Ro explained the reason for that is that you know in liberal feminist media it's like just communicate, just communicate, just communicate um, has been a bad strategy for women and encourages women to overshare. Um, and I think also, yeah, assumes that all men have good intentions, which they don't. A lot of them, a lot of them don't. Anyways, I saw a really disturbing Reddit post one time, like a woman was talking about how she told her boyfriend that she was molested when she was a kid and he wanted her to talk about it while they were having sex because that was the only way he could come or that made him come faster. Like he actually thought it was arousing that she was molested when she was a kid. So yeah, like that's the other risk is you could tell a guy about that and he could turn out to fetishize that um, or be, you know, attracted to that. Uh, So trauma bonding is a a style of emotional attachment that develops out of a repeated cycle of abuse, devaluation, and positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a bond between that person and generally the person that they abuse, but you can sort of recreate those same dynamics with other people if you're like leading with your abuse if you're leading with the trauma, do smaller vetting, like smaller shit tests, basically, to see if he's like an honest and non manipulative person. A good one is the blood in the water strategy. So tell him about something made up like, oh, I'm really insecure that uh, I'm really tall or something. And if he starts going like, oh, tall girl, oh, tall girl tries to bully you for that, that means that he's the sort of person to use your insecurities against you. If you tell him something that you're supposedly insecure about, you're not actually insecure about, and he never mentions it again, that's a promising sign. So yeah, wait until you've done these sorts of small, lower risk, smaller scale shit tests. And only after that would I disclose that kind of information. Yeah. And don't, and don't set yourself up to be disappointed if it does or does not bring you closer together. Right. I mean, it, it, could but there's just there's it's so much more likely to um attract abusers and or put your your significant other in a situation where they even if they love you they may not know what to do or how to handle that information like dealing with someone's trauma is a skill right so don't necessarily expect them even if they love you to react exactly the way that you think that they should um it may not be that they're deliberately trying to devalue or shame you but for it but it just may be difficult for people to understand how to react to someone's trauma that's you know that's a strange skill don't ever disclose something with an expectation of the other person's response i also think as well just just to find a cup of this section i think people who disclose their trauma to partners especially early on that can be an issue with boundaries and the idea that your partner has to be the entire village like I know some people say you have to tell your partner everything and I agree up to a point but when it's something you know such as sexual trauma 
it can sometimes be better just to work through that with someone like a therapist or a friend and not to necessarily lead with your trauma, like per se. Um, especially if you are going to be expecting your partner to react in a certain way and if they don't, then that can be quite devastating. I, I mean, to be fair, that can be a vetting you know, strategy in and of itself, but something like sexual trauma is deeply, deeply personal. Um, it's it's a lot more personal and a lot more sensitive than, say, you know, revealing that you like a particular football team or you don't like doing... Do you know what I mean? So I just think that... Um, it can also be an issue with boundaries and expectations as well, um, which is why personally I don't like to lead with my trauma in relationships. I also just think it's kind of a red flag to tell something that serious and that personal too soon. Like, it met, like I don't know. I had a guy once on a second date tell me that he was uh, that he was molested. It turned out later to not even be true, but he said that to try to make me feel like, oh, poor baby, and like, wow, yeah, yeah, that's really soon, really soon to tell somebody something like that. Yeah, and so it turned out to be, like, an emotional manipulation tactic for this guy. But I also want to point out that, like, a high-value man, while he might not devalue you or look down on you if you've been sexually assaulted, a lot of high-value men, like, they will also see it as a red flag if a woman brings that up on a first date or second date or third date. They would see that as a sign of possible future problems, so. And, I mean, I've had coworkers disclose really personal things including sexual abuse like on the job um and so it's like it puts you in in an awkward situation because it's like i care i care about this person but i don't know what to say to them other than i'm very sorry that happened to you i don't know how they're expecting me to react to them and so that's where i'm saying inappropriate disclosure or if you disclose it to someone and they don't you know react the way you should it could make you could feel offended because you're expecting a reaction that you may not get because that person just plant plain old doesn't know how to react and there's like there's i've had coworkers that have disclosed things to me and i'm like that's awful i'm very sorry that happened to you but then that's kind of all they get from me because i feel like it's a, I, it's a little bit more of an intimate thing and then you look like an asshole because you're not <laughs> Yeah. Then I, well, kind of, right. It's like, I, you know, I I appreciate you telling me, but I'm like, I'm not a therapist. (laughs) Like I'm a coworker. This is very heavy for our shift at Jamba Juice. Yeah. Yeah. It puts the other person in an awkward position to be like, oh, you know, because if they try to have boundaries about it and don't immediately respond with this like outpouring of empathy, like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like, tell me more kind of thing. Let me rally a prayer circle. You know, I know. I don't know. Yeah. If If they set up boundaries, they look like the jerk. Right. So don't, yeah, don't, don't put people in that situation. Party foul. <laughs> it's a faux pas. <laughs> That's um, also controversial advice from FTS, but effective. So number 22, it's normal not to orgasm during sex. Ugh. Man, we're really hitting all the controversial ones. This is like this little middle chunk is, <laughs> is, uh, is heavy. Um, so this is a, this is a commentary on a pervasive myth that women have been sold about how, uh, PNV sex is like quote unquote impossible for a lot of women to orgasm from. Now that may or may not be true, but we've found increasingly increasing discussions from other women as well as like our own experience that often it's not just that women can't come from PNV sex or that women can't, uh, penis and vagina sex. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear that they don't have orgasms, meaning even through oral sex, that they're having sex where they don't have orgasms and that they're just quote unquote there for the intimacy. That can be true, but that's way overblown to the point where we have an issue called the orgasm gap where women who are in heterosexual relationships are orgasming maybe like 60% of the time as everybody else in every other type of relationship. So 
it starts to indicate that perhaps that it's not women's inability to orgasm so much as it is the lack of sexual skill from men. It's starting to feel like it's more projection of women's ability rather than men's lack of skill. Yeah, I think it's, this is a myth that is basically a crutch for men low, men's low effort sexual performance and lack of sexual skill. Um, the, and I think it's related to porn in the sense that the porn that most men watch, um, the woman either doesn't have an orgasm and it just ends with a man like coming on her face or it's like a really, she's faking her orgasms and he's doing like crazy shit. Like the shit in porn is so crazy. Like there are women who will like pretend to have orgasms from like giving a blowjob. Like as Gail Dine says, your clitoris is not in your throat. Okay. So that's not possible. Right. So a lot of men watch porn. They have a lot of bad ideas about how to please a woman and when they have sex with a real woman and don't please her you know women i don't know if it's like cope or you know just an excuse or whatever you know but women to oh it's it's normal not to orgasm during sex like stop telling yourselves that start expecting more from men because men are just using this as a crutch to not learn how to be good at sex yeah start acting like it's normal to orgasm during sex and that not orgasm during sex would be abnormal because again straight women are the only people who are having problems consistently orgasming lesbian couples orgasm it's something like 80 to 90 percent of the time uh gay males orgasm like 90 plus percent of the time uh straight men orgasm during sex 90 plus percent of the time and then straight women are something like 50 60 percent yeah and that seems very very off <laughs> yeah start treating um, him like <laughs> he's abnormal for not making you come okay yeah um it, <laughs> Yeah, stop face, stop faking your orgasms too, ladies. God, like, he needs to learn. And do you think that, like, men would stick around, you know, if they were giving, you know, women orgasms and they weren't getting any? Of course not. Like, they wouldn't stick around at all. They would say, I'm not, you know, my sexual needs aren't being met. So women need to have the same energy as well. You deserve to have um, an orgasm. An orgasm, you know, for women, as much as we've been told you know, throughout history and in the media, it's not difficult. You know, if, you know, we can do it by ourselves, if, you know, lesbian women can do it to each other, then there's no excuse for straight men. There's absolutely no excuse. Yeah, it takes me, like, two minutes when I have my vibrator, okay? It's not, like, this five-hour ordeal with, like, multiple, you know, obstacle courses, like, Olympic-level, uh, you know, difficulty that men like to pretend it is. It's actually very easy. They're just They're just bad at it, and they need to learn. Yeah, if you can consistently orgasm from masturbation, then why wouldn't you be able to orgasm during sex? Exactly, mm-hmm. consistently from sex, exactly. Yeah. Like, there's literally one button that they have to press, okay? This isn't like, what's that TV show, like, American Ninja or American Ninja Warrior or something? But even so, we've talked about in our uh, our We Like Big Dicks and We Refuse to Lie episode that sometimes the dude just ain't got the equipment for the job, right? Because there's, there's times where, at least before I had sex with a man who had a penis that was favorable to my orgasm, um, you start to think like, well, P and V sex isn't all that. And then you have sex with a guy whose dick is built right for the job and you can never go back. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So some of that is like a lot of women just give up and then never figure out that that guy's penis may just not be optimal for you. It's not that you can't orgasm for P and V sex. It could be that that guy's penis just ain't, it ain't cutting it. Yeah, and men don't want you to know this because a lot of men know that their dicks probably don't cut it. And, uh, yeah, they just want women to settle. So it's much better to just, um, just move on. 
There's something called the A spot we should talk about later where it's, it's actually back, uh, near the cervix, uh, and it's like another stimulation zone, but that requires someone who's got a long enough penis to reach it. Mm-hmm. So there's things like that, that, that there used to be an overfocus on the G spot, which is kind of behind your clitoris, which is, and there's, there's discussion about what the G spot really is, or if it's just like a cluster of nerves that are on the other side of your clitoris, but there's other like erogenous zones and other like orgasmic zones in your vagina that they're just now quote unquote discovering. Um, so like the vagina has nowhere, it's nowhere near as studied and mapped out as other organs. So when they try to make these definitive statements about like women's sexuality and that our inability is this is a myth or our inability to orgasm because is because of this or some kind of issue, a lot of times it's just flat out biological ignorance. So it does behoove you to try to become your own authority and don't assume you can't you can't orgasm from P and V sex or that you can't orgasm consistently during sex unless it's some kind of um you know, there's there are some women for whom it's a legitimate problem and it's usually some kind of uh disability or neurological issue. But if you can consistently do that and you can experiment on yourself and feel what feels good more than likely you can, it's just, you haven't found the right person. Yeah. Um, 23, you can learn to love a guy you're not attracted to. I want to preface this by saying it is possible to become more attracted to a man as you get to know him. Like there are times where I'm looking at a guy and think, Oh, he's, he's okay looking, maybe even very attractive or anywhere from average to attractive. But then you get to talking to him and he's very charming. He's very smart. He's very uh, affectionate, very attentive to your needs. And all of those qualities will cause me to be more attracted to him. But unfortunately, if the starting point, if he's like just not my physical preference, he's just not attracted to me at all. Unfortunately, there's not really much that he can do personality wise to overcome that. That's just life. I've never dated somebody I wasn't actually physically attracted to straight away. And again, this whole, I don't know why men set themselves up like this. Or like women and men set themselves up like this. And then they will turn around and complain, you know, that they're in a dead bedroom or that their wife isn't interested. Like attraction isn't the most important thing, but people have twisted that to mean that attraction isn't isn't important at all. And that's not true. Attraction you know, really, really does matter um, in a relationship, especially in a sexual relationship. Um, Because if you're with somebody that you're not attracted to, then you're basically, and then surely you're just like friends. That's not a sexual relationship, right? Unless you don't experience sexual attraction. I don't know. Like, I just think that it's incredibly weird when, you know, especially women now, they've sort of adopted this narrative that looks don't matter in a relationship when, I think it does. (laughs) Yeah, because I just couldn't be intimate with somebody that I wasn't attracted to, like physically attracted to. I just, yeah, I just couldn't do it. And also, I wouldn't want somebody to be with me if, like, they weren't physically attracted to me as well. So... Yeah, you're going to be married for the rest of your life. So you want to, like, have a chance at happiness, you should probably be with someone you find sexually attractive. Otherwise you might find yourself in a dead bedroom, right? Yeah. So just think of the fact that your sex life is going to go through ebbs and flows. Your sex life is is a pretty important part of your nar- marriage. Obviously, it's not everything in a marriage or everything you should value, but it's important enough and especially important to men that if you end up committing to a guy you're only so, so sexually attracted to, expect him to raise issue with it later if you just start to want to pull back. Yeah. <laughs> 
And again, it's this false dichotomy that women either have to choose between a guy who treats them well and a guy they find sexually attractive. And again, that isn't true. Um, I'd also just like to make the point that, I mean, at least for me, just because somebody is like conventionally attractive, that doesn't necessarily mean I will be like sexually attracted to them. I think attraction is deeply personal. But what I don't understand is women who will openly say like yeah he's not the best looking guy but this it's just like if you don't think he's good looking then what is the point i don't see the point if you can do you know what i mean like i mean for some people will say like that their spouse is the best looking thing they've ever seen and that's deeply personal but if you're willing to admit that your partner you know that they're not the best looking thing that they're unattractive i just don't see the point personally have you ever seen some of these tweets where like husbands will be like yeah my wife isn't the most beautiful woman in the world but uh you know she cooks and cleans she takes great care of our kids so you know i love her anyways kind of thing i would rather fucking die than be married to a man who would publicly who humiliate doesn't find myself you attractive. like that yeah like exactly i wouldn't want to do that to my my partner either right like i would never I would not want to subject someone that I love or care about to the embarrassment of like, yeah, he's not that attractive, uh, but he's got other good qualities, right? Like if he is actually a genuinely good person, you wouldn't want to make him feel like shit about himself like that, right? So yeah, just date people that you're attracted to. Very simple. This isn't Bridgerton where you have to get married because like you're going to bring shame upon your family if you're an old maid, right? Like or any type of situation where, and this is again, uh, this is, throwback patriarchal programming to gaslight women into marrying quote-unquote stable men or men who could financially provide for them who they weren't actually attracted to but imagine you're going to have to do sexual it's going to be sexual labor it's going to feel like a chore if you're not attracted to that guy and we're gen- it's not good for you or good for your marriage long term unless you plan on just being miserable forever to not uh feel sexually attracted to them unless of course you're asexual which then have at it right like (laughs) yeah ladies we gotta raise the bar okay like men tried to force us to choose between these false binaries like oh you have to date a hot guy who treats you like shit or you have to date a guy uh who's ugly but he treats you well no women need to raise the fucking bar and say we want a guy who's both attractive and treats us well and i think that's a perfectly perfectly reasonable expectation because guess what men have that same expectation of women too right you know, men want a woman who is both attractive and has a good personality. You know, why did they think they're entitled to that? But we aren't allowed to be entitled to that. Like, we're allowed to have what we we can have both. That's okay. Exactly. Last one for this episode, number 24, you have to give guys a chance. No, you do not. You do not have to give them a chance if you don't want to. Nobody deserves a chance, yeah. period. Like, <laughs> there's no, like, you can't earn your way into a chance with someone. Like, either that person's attracted to you or they're not. And also, what is chance? What is that, like, the possibility of having sex with me? No, I don't owe anyone that possibility. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand when people do this. It's like, a woman says, I'm not that into him or he's not that cute. And like, well, you haven't given him a chance. And like, a chance to what? Is he yeah. going to get like more attractive in the next five minutes? Yeah. You know, it's very, very weird. Or like, if they did something that was very bumbling and off-putting to you, they want you to like immediately look past that. And this is where like women get groomed into doing all the emotional labor like uh no man is perfect you have to work hard to help him reach his potential this is all that 
rhetoric about the fact that we have to give men chance after chance to impress us or do whatever or look attractive to us is just like grooming us to keep having to do that and give them chance after chance after chance in a relationship, which is frustrating. No, you know, trust yourself. If you just, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. that's valid. You don't have to force yourself to like eat your peas, you know? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. Men are vegetables. Okay. You don't have to force yourself to eat them if you don't want to. Okay. Like the reason why I hate this so much is because it normalizes the idea that women's boundaries or women's choices or women's decisions for themselves and their own lives are not valid. And that like, we have to uh, compromise on what we want for the benefit of men. And that's just a mindset that we need to reject categorically. Women are allowed to want the things that we want. And if men want to be with women, they have to make an effort to meet that. Have you ever heard people pressure a guy to date a woman? Like you have to give her a chance. I've just never heard that. Yeah. No one ever does that. That's true. They're never like, Oh, force yourself to have a, you know, force yourself to pretend to be attracted to this person. Or like, she's really nice, so you should keep going on dates with her. I just don't see the same... The same reciprocation? Yeah. Yeah, the same reciprocation and the the level of societal commitment to force men to be with women they're not attracted to in some way. In fact, men will go absolutely ballistic over, you know, the health at every size movement or, you know, uh, what they consider to be, um, oh, you're, you're forcing me to be attracted to... Like, they'll look at like that Dove commercial with women with different body sizes and they'll be like, ah, society is trying to force me to be attracted to, to fat women. It's like, no, that ad isn't for you. That ad is for women. The fact that you're jerking into a dove commercial is your fucking problem. Um, but also like they have that knee jerk, extremely negative reaction to, you know, uh, give girls a chance, even if she doesn't meet your physical standards. They, for them, that's like a hard no. And they're not willing to compromise on that. And I don't think we should have to either. Nope. Sure shouldn't. Okay, so that's our show. Stay tuned for part three. You can also check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy for weekly bonus content. Chat with us on the Discord. Tell us what you think about this episode. If you're a guy and you want to rant against some of our points here, you can sign up for the Scroat Strike Back tier and uh, argue with us, I guess. And uh, also check out... <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to give you the offer to the grand opportunity to argue with us. Um, also check out our website, thefemaledatingstrategy.com. Our Instagram, at underscore thefemaledatingstrategy. Twitter, at femdatstrat. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all these scroats out there... We will not give you a chance. Die mad. See you next week. <laughs>